it is uh, something that is always a joy to me to call uh, a group of people to a special time of prayer, whether that be a all-night prayer meeting, which if you've never experienced, you need to. It's really uh, a wonderful experience that you will uh, you will not be the same afterwards if you approach it appropriately. But also to have a 40-day focus. It's something that um, I never thought when I was sitting where you guys are as students that I would ever do either of those. But it's something that the Lord has, has brought me to, uh, first in my own life, and then in calling others to join me in those events. However, uh, I don't do it just because I think it would be good. <laughs> uh, if I did, I would be doing it regularly. Um, those of you that have been with us uh, a while, um, whether you're on the 10-year program as a student like Mr. Lucas, who uh, may be on a 15-year after his orals today, we'll see, or whether you have been with us as a staff member for 10 years, as Mr. Mancuso has, you know that while they are wonderful times and intense times, that I actually do not call the people to that very often. It's only been a few times. This is our second 40-day focus at NEBC, and we've had two overnight prayer meetings at NEBC. And so I don't do it often because I really do believe it is a special time and it's something that I only call a group to when I know God's leading is in it. And I have considered it over the last few years at different times and prayed through it and never felt the time was right. This year I was not even considering it and God put it on my heart to do this. And so today begins our 40 days and when God leads a group of people to a 40-day prayer focus, he intends to do something. In fact, he will likely do many things that we don't even know right now what he's going to do. Secondly, I, I know that that is the case even more so because I want you to know that our enemy has done countless things to distract the president from following through. It has been a very intense week. Some of you know some of the intensity that I have faced this week, and nobody but God and Cindy know all of it. But all to distract me from proceeding with these 40 days. When God is moving and the enemy is scared, that's a really good sign that God is doing something. Say, well, what do you expect him to do? I expect him to do the unexpected. I expect him to do things big and small in all of our lives that are part of this movement that we will just look back for the rest of our life and say, wow, I remember when God spoke to me in the midst of that 40 days. All As I have done this several times, it's only been a few times that I have expanded it beyond the group that I called to just put a general call. And of those times, I've never had as many people sign up to get daily emails that were outside of our immediate NEBC group that meets here every week. 
The group is probably the largest single group that I have ever sent emails to that got their first email just before midnight last night for today. God is at work, and he is moving. Today is not going to be normal. Uh, I'm not going to preach, and I know what you're all thinking whenever I say that, I preach. But we're going to do something completely different uh, today. And I want you right now to think of two or three people that you can partner up with. No more than three. It can be just two that you're going to partner up with at different times during the remainder of our chapel time today. If you're watching this or listening to this online, if you have somebody, you can, you can have somebody right there that listens with you, that participates in this, or, or if you are just by yourself, you can do this alone. And some of you in the room may feel like that, you know, I, I really need to not pair up with someone. I need to do this by myself, and that is fine. But today is going to be different. I want you to begin with me by opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. This is something I've, I've read numerous times. It's something that I've preached. I've preached the first paragraph countless times. I can't even tell you how many times in my life. But the Lord, as I was preparing for this time, this 40 days, reminded me of something that evidently I just kind of pass over sometimes. I want you to look with me in verse 1 of chapter 11. And it says, Now it came to pass as he was praying, so as Jesus was praying in a certain place, doesn't tell us where, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now there's so much in this verse that we could talk about. We could talk about the consistency of Jesus' prayer we could look at uh, the fact that he always did that. If he was up in the Galilee, sometimes we would see that he would leave the disciples or leave the crowds and go up on a mountain to pray. One of the mountains that we will see, those who go on the Israel trip next year. Or if he was down in Judea, often he would go somewhere on the Mount of Olives to pray or maybe to the Garden of Gethsemane as we have the, the most famous time. But we would find him in, in the Gospels going away to pray and we could we could talk about that, and, and I often do when I, when I look at this text. And then we often also talk about the fact that, that when he ceased, as it says there in the middle of the verse, when he had finished his prayer time, one of the disciples, and so, so one of those who were nearby. Now, remember, I want to remind you, disciples could mean the twelve, but it could also mean some of the others who accompanied them that were not part of the twelve. But one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus, comes to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. Very often I have taught this text to new believers in, in a new believer training class, a new member training class. And when we look at this and say, because very often new believers look at him and say, I don't know how to pray. I've never prayed. I, or I, I, I try to pray, but I, I really don't know how. Teach me how. And so I would go in and say, well, look, even the disciples didn't know how to pray, and they asked Jesus to teach them, and that's, that's something that's there. But here's what I don't want us to miss. Because very often when we read that, say, well, that's not me. I, I know how to pray. But I want you to, to not forget who it is that is asking. These are, are Jewish disciples. That means from birth, 
their parents have been doing everything they can to teach them the Old Testament scriptures, particularly the Pentateuch, and they taught them to pray. These are not people that were new to prayer. These are not like, like some in church planning that, that, that I had never prayed before the time that I led them to faith in Christ, and then the first time I would hear them pray in a group would do the strangest things because they didn't know. This is not that kind of person that is asking Jesus this question. This is somebody who likely had been praying for before, from before the time that they could read. And we often forget that in this context. And yet it was someone who was, who was brought up in that environment, who had been walking with Jesus for some period of time, I don't know how long at this point, who had just watched as he prayed. I mean, how could you have a better model of, of how to pray than watching Jesus pray? And yet, this disciple knew something was lacking in his or her own prayer life. Something was missing. And he had the captive audience of the eternal Son of God. And he said, Jesus, teach us to pray. I want to invite you today. I want to give you an invitation right now. I want to give you an invitation to let this 40 days be a time where you have a teachable spirit about prayer. I want to encourage you, beginning right now, to just say, Lord, teach me to pray. Whether you're a beginner, an intermediate intercessor, or whether you're an expert that everybody comes to and says, would you pray for me because everybody really likes your prayer life. Wherever you are, I believe that God wants all of us to go deeper in our prayer walk in the next 40 days. And I encourage us right now to begin that way. So I'm going to ask everybody, let's just bow our heads. We're not going to break into the groups I mentioned yet. I want you just to stop for a minute and reflect on that concept. And would you just ask the Lord, Lord... Today and for the next 39, would you just teach me to pray? Would you deepen my understanding, my ability to pray? Would you make me a more fervent and effectual prayer during these next 40 days? Father, that is my prayer. That is my prayer for me personally. That's my prayer for everyone in this room. And that's my prayer for all of those who will listen to this later today and for all of those who are receiving the daily prayer guides, devotional thoughts. God, I pray above everything else that you would teach us to pray.
that you would deepen our prayer walk. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I want you to go and get in your groups, right? Go, go ahead and do that right now. And just get connected. If you're going to be alone, that's fine. If you're going to be with two or three others, let's go ahead and move whatever we're going to move to do that. You know, you know the answer to Jesus, to the question. So he said to them, when you pray, say. And many of us in the room were, grew up in a more formal, liturgical kind of church, whether that be Catholic or Episcopal or Lutheran or something along those lines, where pretty much every service we say the Our Father, um, my Catholic friends growing up had to say our fathers all the time because they hung out with me and were in trouble. And the priest and their mothers would make them pray so many our fathers every day. We know this prayer very well and probably more uh, Matthew's version of it. But today what we're going to do is, is I'm going to give you, I'm going to read a section of it. And I'm going to give you a word to hang it in your mind. And then I'm going to invite you to just spend a moment, a few moments together as a group. I'm going to watch it. And so if I start praying and you're still praying, that's okay. Just you, you'll know and just finish up and, and then we'll move on. But you know what he said? He said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here's the word. Worship. Prayer is about worship. So often we, we think of worship as singing in church or in chapel. And that's true, that's part of worship, but prayer is worship. It will transform your prayer life if you learn to worship in prayer. One of the sweetest things that ever happened in my prayer walk is I, I read a book, How to Worship Jesus Christ. And I began to use singing and just quoting, quoting songs and quoting psalms and other passages of Scripture in my prayer time. And I almost always, even if it's a quick prayer, begin with at least one word of worship or thanksgiving before I move into it. And I encourage you to take a moment to worship the Lord. In Revelation 5, we read this of Jesus. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and nation and people, you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. In the previous chapter in worship of the Father, that all of the believers gather in and say, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. 
Going back to Psalm 150, we are taught that we should praise God and worship Him for who He is and for what He does. So take a few moments right there in your group. Somebody voice a prayer out loud. Others maybe pray silently, but just take a minute to worship Jesus in your prayer. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Eliyona Adonai, age to age, you're still the same. By the power of your name, you do great and marvelous works. But Father, we don't just praise you today for what you do. God, you have done so much for every one of us in this room. And God, we praise you for that. But Lord, we praise you not just for what you've done, but for who you are. You are the almighty God. Jesus, you are the counselor. You are the mighty God. Father, you're the everlasting Father. There is no shadow of turning with you. You are always faithful when everyone else, else is faithless. God, we praise you, we honor you, and we glorify you today. In Jesus' name. Jesus goes on to say that we should pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This statement that Jesus taught us to pray about is actually a future event, not a present event. It, the word here in this text that I want to give you to hang this text on in your mind is anticipation. He says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, God's will can be done in your life and that is a word of submission and that's a good word. But this is actually about a future event when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven, that has not happened. There is sin on earth. There is no sin in heaven. There is coming a day, however, when Jesus will set it all right. And he will rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. 
And John concludes the book of Revelation in the next to last verse in chapter 22 and verse 20 by saying this, even so come, Lord Jesus. Listen, the best this world has to offer is nothing compared to what Jesus will bring when he comes to this earth. Our prayer should not only be a prayer of worship, it should be a prayer of anticipation. Would you take a minute to just pray as your group? Maybe someone else that didn't pray last time pray, or maybe the same person, however your group chooses, and just pray, inviting Jesus, looking forward to Jesus, loving his appearing, saying, come, Lord Jesus, would you do that? Father, I love life. I thank you for it. I thank you that my mother had nine children. Father, I love many things that you have allowed me to do, be involved in. Father, I love my wife and I love my son. I love my extended family. I love my NEBC family. I love your church, so many churches that you've allowed me to be a part of their lives. Father, there's a lot of things about this world that I enjoy. But Father, nothing compares to you. And Father, the longer I live and the more of this life I get to enjoy, the more I realize how futile it is in comparison to eternity. Father, it's always good to go home. But Lord, I've come to the point in my life where there is no home here. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And so with John today, I join in saying, even so, come, Lord Jesus.
We look forward with anticipation to your coming. But until then, may you find us faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. The next word I want to give you to hang your hat on is provision. It's very simple. It's so simple we say it and don't think about the profundity of the statement. Give us day by day our daily bread. How simple is that? And how profound. We either trust God to meet our needs or we trust ourselves or someone else to meet our needs. If we trust ourselves or someone else to meet our needs, somehow, some way, in the Christian walk, that will be taken away from you. Because God has promised. He has promised that He will complete the work He started in you. And there will come a moment in time in your life where you will realize no one, not yourself, not an organization, not another person, not your boss, not anyone else, not in a relationship, another relationship, riches, whatever. There will come a point in your life where you realize nothing can meet your needs except God. And the song that we sang a few moments ago will take on a new meaning in your life. And you say, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. But here's the good news. Our Father invites us to bring our needs before him. Not only does he invite us to do it, he commands us to do it in many places in Scripture. He even says, I know your needs before you ask, but ask. And you will receive. Seek and you will find. Here he says, give us this day our daily bread. I confess, even in my own life, from coming from a cardboard box and all of the church planting times that I've had and planning the school and all the days I could count where I really didn't know what I was going to eat for tomorrow, and sometimes I didn't know if I was going to have anything to eat that day. I've got to tell you, for most of my life, it has not been day to day. Maybe two days, maybe three days, maybe a week. But what a concept. Not, Lord, give me everything I need for the next year or the rest of my life. But give us this day or day by day as Luke says it, our daily bread. We can bring our needs to God. He wants us to. Your personal needs, whether it's for food, whether it's for shelter, whether it's for relationship issues, forgiveness, you to receive it or you to give it. Whatever your needs are, you can bring them to Him. Because he and he alone can truly provide consistently, and he's promised to do so if you're his child. I'm going to ask you to do this one quietly. 
because you may not want anybody else to know what your deepest need is right now. But I want to just invite you to take two or three of your needs before God right now and ask Him to meet that need. Father, no one can meet our spiritual needs but you. Father, our emotional needs, our intellectual needs, you are the ultimate source of meeting our needs. God, forgive us for when we've tried to fill it ourselves. Forgive us for when we have relied on others to do what only you could do. Father, you've heard needs that have been lifted by myself and by others in this room today. Father, I thank you that we can bring them boldly to your throne. Lord, when it comes to financial needs, material needs, the earth is the Lord's and all the fullness of thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. God, you own it all. And you can transfer from one place to another far easier than I can go online and move money from one account to another. God, you can, you can take and meet someone's needs from a place that they don't even know it was met. God, I thank you that we can bring our needs to you and that you meet them. We praise you. We praise you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you another word to hang on, forgiveness. We need it, and we need to give it. It's one of the greatest struggles in life. I've talked to secular psychologists and counselors who have confessed to me that if, if I could help people know they were forgiven and if I could help them forgive others, I'd go out of business. It changes everything when we really know we're forgiven and when we're willing to forgive others that way. Jesus says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Take a few minutes privately again. We'll come back to groups in a minute.
privately, if there is something God has already put on your heart, a sin, just confess it to him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. He intends for us to confess whatever sin the Holy Spirit puts on our heart and reminds us of in that moment, do so. And then, then, ask him to help you to extend his forgiveness to others who may have hurt you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are always willing to hear the confession of your children. Jesus, I thank you that you paid the price so that we could be forgiven. Father, I thank you that you are faithful and just. And you already, the price of our sin has been paid. So it would be unjust for you to punish us when we confess them. And so, Father, I thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, may we be so overwhelmed by your love and forgiveness that we are looking for opportunities to extend forgiveness to those around us. May it shock them Surprise them that we would forgive so that they can know of the wondrous truth of the gospel message. In Jesus' name, amen. The next word I want to give you is guidance. Guidance. We'll pray together in your groups about this, but, but notice what the text says. He says, and lead us not into temptation. And very often... We talk about that just kind of in a general rule of, of you know, we don't want to be tempted. And when we're tempted, we don't want to, we don't want to sin. We don't want to fall. But, but, folks, I want you to understand the temptations are everywhere. They come from within. They come from the enemy. They come from the world system. They are constant. They're a barrage. The only way that we can get through it is to be led. Cindy reminded me last night of our first Israel trip, and there was a place that our guide asked us if we wanted to go. It was one of the two sites that they believe that John the Baptist uh, may have been baptizing, where Jesus may have been baptized. They're not certain. There's two possibilities. 
And he says, I'm pretty sure it's this one, but if I take you there, there are landmines. But it's okay, I'm Mossad. I know where they are. So I, I have to like get out in front of the vehicle and walk so that the, the driver knows where to drive. And then I'll take you down to the Jordan. He said, most people don't go to that one for that reason, but that's where I'm pretty sure it happened. I can take you if you want. <laughs> I was ready, but for some reason, Cindy and the other two were not. But we needed, if we were to do it, we needed a guide who knows the way around the landmines. And you and I need a guide every minute of every day. Because there are things that, that look good that are not. The Bible says that the, the enemy doesn't appear as the devil saying, hey, try this, very often. He does sometimes. But usually he appears as an angel of light to deceive you. But Jesus knows where you need to go. We need a guide. Take a few minutes to pray, asking Jesus to be your guide. Father, forgive us for the times we think we don't need a guide. Lord, sometimes we think, well, I can handle this one. I'll call you when I need you. And Father, when we, when we approach anything that way, we're ready to fail. Father, we confess today that we need a guide. We need your guidance every moment of our life. Even in familiar territory, Father, we can so easily be deceived. We can deceive our own hearts. Father, we can, we can make mistakes so easily, so quickly, that become so costly. Father, we ask that your spirit would guide us even more that we would be sensitive to his guidance. We need it. We know that your spirit will not lead us to sin. But Father, help us to be sensitive to your spirit and your word so that we recognize your guidance when it comes. And then Father, no matter the cost, if it's inconvenient or if it's very costly, help us to follow the guidance you give. In Jesus' name, amen.
The last word that we see in Luke is protection. It's protection. It says, and deliver us from evil, or some translations say, and others say from the evil one. You can talk to Dr. August later. I believe that a good translation of that is from the evil one, which of course includes evil. Ultimately, all that is evil comes from him. And so whether it is just a temptation of this life or whether it is the evil one directly, it is protection that we need. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, we don't really need protection from other enemies. We need protection from the enemy of our souls. Because in reality, they are just tools of his. For it is the enemy who comes to seek, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's about. And so often we think we're fighting someone else, when in reality we're fighting not flesh and blood, but our enemy and those of his host. And you, as strong as you become, as strong as I become, will never be able to withstand the enemy in our own strength. Because he's much stronger. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We need his protection more than we know. I'm convinced one day in heaven we'll learn about times that we were totally unaware that we were being protected. So ask him to protect you in these moments. Father, as I prayed about protection, <laughs> countless images ran through my head of all the times you've protected me that I know. <laughs> Lord, some of your angels will probably want to have a talk with me when we get there. <laughs> Forgive me for tempting that sometimes. God, I thank you that we can rely upon you for protection.
God, I thank you that nothing can end my life until you're done with me on this earth. And Lord, I thank you for all the times that I have seen and know that you protected me, but Lord, I thank you for all the times I didn't don't know it. But you did. Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Father, we need your protection. Lord, we ask that you would continually protect us. Protect us from the enemy. Protect us from the world. Protect us from ourselves. God, we need you desperately. And thank you that you're there for us. In Jesus' name, amen.